context of what we're going to be talking about. John's written so that you may know that you have eternal life. It's written that, uh, that we know that there were people that were coming into the, the church that John was writing to, the churches that John was writing to, and they were saying, you know, we're the true believers, and John's writing to let them know what a true believer looks like so that they can distinguish between themselves and, uh, and those who say, no, 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 we're the real Christians. And so that's what John's writing. And already we've seen two tests that we're going to continue to see through the rest of the book of 1 John if we continue to go through it. Uh, but there's three tests that just repeat themselves over and over and over and over again. John's going to phrase them in different ways. He's going to frame them in different ways. But there's three tests that are going to be the same three tests that you see over and over again. One is the test of doctrine, whether you believe the truth about who God is and who Christ is. That's a no-brainer. We got that. The second is the test of obedience. We saw that a little bit last week. Are you keeping his commands? Are you walking in his ways? And today we're going to get to look at the third test, and it's the test of love. And those three tests are going to be over and over again. So as we walk through, if we continue to walk through 1 John, you're going to see them come back around just about every other, every other time. He's going to talk about the test of doctrine, the test of obedience, and the test of love as to whether you, me, these people he's writing to, or the folks that say we're the true Christians, whether they are truly the believers or not. So as we go to uh, chapter 2, I think we ended in verse 6 last time. We're going to look at verse 7 through 11. So let me just read those verses. Then we're going to pray and ask God to uh, bless our time. It says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you. Which thing is true in him and in you because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not where he goeth because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We come before you again today just to say thank you for all that you are, all that you are doing, all that you have done in our lives. We ask, Lord, that you would bless this word that we have come, this reading of your scripture, of your word. It uh, it comes forth in power as your spirit comes and and makes use of it as uh, faith comes by hearing. Lord, we ask that you would use this in our own hearts today, that you would teach us what you'd have us to know, and that you would uh, show us who we are in Christ, and that you would help us to examine ourselves today. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about in verse 7, this is the command, this is the, uh, the test of love, whether you love the brethren. When it talks about your brother, it's not just talking about your physical brother, although that is, of course, you are supposed to love your brother, you're supposed to love your neighbor, you're supposed to love your enemies. You're supposed to love pretty much everybody. We can go through scripture and we can see about loving your enemies. We can see about loving your neighbor. All those things are true. And I'm not taken away from those things at all. But here John's writing to the church and he's talking to them about the love for the brethren. He's going to quote a few things that Jesus said at one time or another uh, in the gospel. So at first he says, it's an old commandment that I'm giving you. But it's also a new commandment that I'm giving you. Did you see that in verse verse seven? It, it looks kind of weird because he says he says I'm not. I'm, I'm verse seven says, brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you've had from the beginning. And then in verse eight it says again, uh, you could take that and say, and on the other hand, 
a new commandment I am writing to you. I'm writing you a new commandment. So what he's talking about, he's talking about the command to love. This, this love is a, it's, it's an old commandment. You know it. It's, it's a no-brainer. You can see it from Genesis all the way through Revelation. This is not a new, this is not a new law for you to keep. This is not a new burden for you to do. So when we've talked, uh, I hope that you have seen the pattern that has come about over and over again as we talk through 1 John, as we've uh, looked at the text so far. These tests are not a test where you look at yourself and you say, am I doing good enough to be a Christian? That is not the tests that John is presenting. If that's your question today, I can already tell you, no, you're not doing good enough to be a Christian. The test that John's presenting is, is God doing the work that he promised he would do in a believer's heart? And so he says, this commandment that I'm giving you to love the brethren, to love your fellow believers, this is, this is nothing new. I mean, this goes all the way back to the, the very first command that uh, men were given in Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says, you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you'll do what? You'll love your neighbor as yourself. So love is not some new burden that I'm putting on you. Love is not something that uh, it's this new thing that we all need to get into. And it's this this wonderful new thing that Jesus brought. Jesus did bring the command to love, but it's not a new commandment. It's a very old commandment. It's what we were supposed to be doing from the very beginning. It's what God told men to do from the very beginning. It's not some strange teaching. In fact, Jesus himself even says that I think it's Matthew 22. He says that all the commandments, all the law, everything that the law and the prophets have written can be summed up in these two things. Love the Lord, your God, love your neighbor as yourself. If you can do those two things, everything else will take care of itself. You won't have to worry about committing adultery or lying or those things or stealing because that breaks the law of loving your neighbor. You won't have to worry about putting other gods before God because you love God and that loving him is going to take care of all that stuff. So when James says that love covers a multitude of sins, what we're talking about here is this is the point of all the law that we keep. This is the point of obedience. This is the point of everything is to love God. With all your heart, your mind, soul, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. That's an old commandment. Uh, It always tickles me when people say, you know what? We don't really do the whole Old Testament thing. We, we, we just follow what Jesus said. He, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. If we can just do that, it always tickles me because Jesus was actually quoting Leviticus 19 right there. Uh, that, that law, that love your neighbor as yourself comes from Leviticus, the place that you don't want to, you don't want to hear from. But Jesus gave us this. He gave us this. It's a very old command. It's not, not something new, but John also says, Hey, this, this is a new command. So it says, brother and brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you had from the beginning. This is something that, you know, this is not something that's newfangled. The old commandment is the word which you had heard from the beginning. It's simple. Jesus said that just like the Deuteronomy says, love your neighbor as yourself. But the next verse in verse eight says again, a new commandment. I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true in the true uh, and the true light now shine, excuse me. It is a new command because if you look in John chapter 13, we're not going to turn there, but Jesus says a new command I give to you. This is during the, the last supper, Jesus in John chapter 13, I think it's verse 34. He says a new command I give to you that you love one another. And instead of saying, as you love yourself, he said, as I have loved you. 
So in a sense, it is kind of a new command because now it's not love your neighbor as yourself, although that's that is the command that we follow. Now, for the brethren, he says, you love one another as I have loved you. He loved he loved us uh, way more than we love ourselves. That's one of the things I like to uh, uh, say to people, especially when I'm getting to pray with them in hospitals and stuff, is that God, Christ loves you more than you love yourself. That's hard for people to grasp, you know, because most of us, if you're like me, I love myself pretty good. And I'm sure most of y'all don't be lying. I know some of y'all, we love ourselves pretty good, but Jesus loves us more than he loved himself. And that's a no brainer. I mean, what did he do? He went to the cross. He gave himself for us. He gave his life for us. And he described this love saying, there's no greater love that a man can have that he would lay down his life for his friends. And so this is kind of a new command in the fact that it, the bar has been risen. You know, a lot of people take the Old Testament. They say, you know, I I don't mess with all that Old Testament because it's just, you know, it's whatever. And Jesus kind of simplified everything. But really, if you think about it, Jesus kind of made everything harder because these guys in the, the Pharisees and the people Jesus was talking to in the Gospels, they thought, you know, hey, if I don't go out on my wife, I'm doing good. I'm not committing adultery. And Jesus came along and said, no, he said, if you if you lust it in your mind, you commit adultery. And so that's a whole lot harder than just keeping yourself from going out and doing it. We're, not, we're talking about your thought life now. We're talking about what's in your heart. And Jesus said, you know what? If you come and you hate your brother in your heart, then you're a murderer. That's murder. That's murder of the heart to hate your brother in your heart. And so Jesus kind of made this thing harder. He, he, he didn't just talk about your actions on the outside, although, of course, he did. He didn't talk about what you're doing and what you're not doing. And you can look at your life and say, well, I'm doing pretty good. He's talking about what's in your heart. The real issue of these commands is what's going on in your heart, in your mind. All those things are things that God looks at as well. So Jesus kind of raised the bar when it comes to actually keeping God's laws, when it comes to actually pleasing God when it comes to actually loving God and loving your neighbor Jesus raised the bar by saying no it's a matter of your heart it's not just about what you do and what you don't do but I want to show you in verse 8 how this is a new command and how it applies to us as as John is saying this he said it's a new commandment because really it's something that's true already it's not just a commandment it's a reality He said, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and it's true in you. Love is present in him. I don't have to explain that very hard. I know that you know what that means. Christ came. He he came as a as a baby in a manger and he exhibited love from the time that he was born until the time he gave his life on Calvary. He exhibited perfect love for the father, never sinned, never broke God's law. He exhibited perfect love for his neighbor. He exhibited perfect love for his people, for all mankind, for the world. He gave himself for the world. And so he exhibited this love. This love is true in Christ. You can't look at Jesus and say, well, Jesus probably need to work on his love a little bit. No, it was a reality in his life. It was a reality in who he was. He was perfect. The God man. And this reality is true in him. But look what it says. This is a new commandment because it's true in him and it's true in you. He's talking to these believers. If you have been born again by the spirit of God, understand that the spirit of Christ, the Bible says the spirit of Christ dwells in you. 
You are God's temple. He is dwelling in you in the same way that God in parts of the Old Testament, that he dwelt in a certain spot in that temple. And you couldn't go into that spot, you know, without being faced with the glory and the holiness of God. God himself, if you're a believer, dwells in you. So he's saying, look, this is this is not a new commandment as if love is just some new thing I'm throwing out at y'all. But it is a new commandment in the fact that God himself has done it in you. It's true in him and it's true in you. It's a reality. It's not just a command anymore. This is a reality in all those who call who have called upon the name of the Lord. All those who have been saved. God has given them a new heart. Uh, he's given them a new mind. He's given, made them a new creature. He has brought them out of darkness into light. He said, it's true in you if you're a believer because the darkness is passing away. Both the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Both of those verbs are in the present tense. You remember we talked about that before. It says that if any man commits sin, he's not of God. But we, we talked about it being a continuous habitual lifestyle of sin because it's an ongoing action. Both of those are the same way. It says the darkness is past. The darkness right now in your life is passing away. When we stand before, when we stand before the Father now, there is no darkness. There is no darkness in us because Jesus has perfectly cleansed that. We stand before him perfect. We saw that from earlier verses. We saw that when Father looks at us who have been born again, we are perfect in his sight because of the blood of Christ, because of what he did, because of who he was and what he gave for us in his resurrection. We're perfect. But right now, if we're honest, you and I know that there's still that flesh. There's still that darkness in us. But the thing that we have seen over and over again in first John and in the rest of scripture is that if you are truly born again, God is moving in your heart to grow you in holiness, to grow you in repentance, to grow you in faith. That is going on. That is happening. That's not something that I'm going to stand up here and say, okay, come on guys. Y'all need to be growing in holiness. I mean, I'll be fine to do that. The Bible does that quite a few places. I, I'm not, I, I'm not up here saying, come on, you, you guys need to pull up your bootstraps so we can, we can grow in this faith. We can grow in this repentance. The reality is I can exhort you to do that because the Bible exhorts you to do that. But it also tells us that this is an evidence that you have been born again. You've heard it many times from this stage right here. It, it's been said, brother Eddie said many times, you, you, uh, you, you been saved, you being saved. And one day you're going to be gloriously saved. That's a reality in the life of all believers, not just it's not for somebody who's, you know, just super spiritual. Well, they're the real they're the real good Christians. I'm just a regular old Christian. No, God doesn't show favoritism. There's no partiality with him. He promised that when he changed your heart, when he uh, uh, applied the debt and the resurrection of Christ to you, that he would make you a new creature and that you would begin to grow and walk in holiness and grow and walk in love, grow and walk in repentance, grow and walk in faith. That's a reality. One of the things that you can, <clears throat> if you plant plants or do gardens or something like that, one thing you know for sure, the plant's not growing, it's not alive. If it's not growing, it's not alive. If it's not producing fruit, it's not alive. If it's not doing whatever it's supposed to be doing, 
It's not alive. And that's the same thing with believers. That life is not in you. If it's not growing, if God is not moving in you, are you doing perfect? No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about moving in a direction. Your life is headed toward holiness. Tomorrow you will be more repentant, more faithful, more uh, all these things. Love God more. Love your neighbor more. You will do. You will be more tomorrow than you are today. And you might say some of us will say, I know I can see it in my own life where I say, you know what? I don't feel like it today. I don't feel like doing better. I don't feel like loving. And and that's a real possibility. But God is a good father and a good shepherd. What's he going to do? He's going to come. He's going to throttle that behind one once or twice. He's going to come and he's going to he's going to bring you back to the path. He's going to show you the 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 correct way. He's going to in lots of different ways. He's going to convict you. He's going to convict you of that. And so this is a new command, John says, not just because it's something new. It's it, really it's an old command. But in the sense that it's new, he's saying it's because it's not just God standing up there above the heavens saying, you better start loving. It's something God has done in us. It's something that's true in him. And it's true in you. And it's amazing that John, he didn't know all of the people that were going to read this letter. When when he sent it to the churches that he sent it to, uh, he didn't know everyone personally. But he could say without a doubt, he could say plainly, I know that if you are a believer, this is true in you. He said it's true in him. And if it's true in him and he dwells in you, then it's true in you. It says that Christ has, God has shed his love abroad in our hearts. And the reason that it's true in you is because if you're a believer, the darkness is passing away and the true light is now shining in your life. I get the picture of a guy walking through. If you if you think of something, think about like a cave, like we're doing cave quest Bible study, Bible vacation, Bible school this week. Think about walking through a cave where everything's dark. I'm talking about no light, absolutely no light, nothing. You can't see two inches in front of your face. I get the picture of a guy walking through there, even with the dimmest little light, even with the dimmest little light, it's going to dispel all the darkness around it. Even something as simple as you take like a little matchstick, you know, that, that doesn't burn long. It doesn't burn bright and it doesn't burn. It does, it's not going to illuminate the whole cave. But when you walk through it, everywhere that matchstick goes, the darkness has got to flee away from it. And that's what the spirit of God is doing. He's made you perfect before the father. So we're not talking about working your way to be right before God. What we're talking about is God's work in you. He is working with that. That light is moving through the darkness that's still present in your flesh. And it is dispelling that darkness as it goes. It says this thing is true in you. This new command is true in you because the darkness is past and the true light is now shining in your heart. Do you see where he's saying that it's a reality? It's not just a command. It's not just a command. It is a command, but it's not just a command. It's a reality in all of those who call upon the name of Christ. All those who have been born again by the spirit of God. It is true in you and it's true in him. And so in verse nine, the rest of these verses, because he has told us that it's a a true thing in all believers. He's told us that this is what God does in the hearts of believers. He, He says that if you Call yourself a believer. If you've been born again, truly, you will have this light that's dispelling the darkness. You will have this new command, old command 
that uh, is going on in your heart. And he says he uses that as the test in verses 9 through 11. He says, since it's true, since it's true in him, since it's true in you, and the darkness is passing away, the light is already shining. He says, since that's true, he that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He says, look, if what I've told you in verse 7 and 8 is true, and it is, if that's a fact, then the man, the woman, the boy, the girl who says they are in the light and hate their brother, they're lying. They're in darkness because it's not compatible with the light. Now, what he's saying here... You and I, the first thing that we do when we talk about hating somebody, uh, I can say, well, I don't hate nobody. There's really nobody I can think about, you know, think about uh, people on on, that I know, that I've known, that I've had interactions with. And I can say, well, you know, there's really nobody that I hate. There's nobody that I'm just holding animosity toward. There's nobody that I'm detesting or despising or anything like that. But the definition of hate that we use is often way too narrow when it comes to biblical things. When we talk about Jesus said, for instance, Jesus said, the one who comes to me, if he doesn't hate his father and his mother, then he's not worthy of me. Now, if you think about that, that almost, I I thought we were supposed to honor our father and mother. How can you say I'm supposed to hate? But the word that he's using there is not just, he's not talking about, you wanting to go out and kill somebody or you wanting to go out and just harm somebody. He's not talking about you just want what he's talking about is talking about disregarding, talking about being indifferent, talking about just, you know what? I'm not going to mess with them no more. When he's talking about uh, hate your father and mother, you know, you where it says the one who uh, doesn't hate his father and mother is not worthy of me. He's saying you got to leave them. You can't think of them more than you think of me. He's not saying, oh, you need to go kill your folks or you need to go, you know, cuss out your folks or anything like that. He's saying you can't love them more than you love me. If you're going to be my disciple, you're going to have to break away from all the other things, including the most important things like your father and your mother. And you're going to have to follow me. He's talking about he's talking about being indifferent. He's talking about being cold. He's talking about he's talking about just being being uh, pushed away from him. He's saying, look, the one who hates his brother, the one who does not love his brother. Let's put it that way. And that way I can describe love to you. The one who does not love his brother. He's talking about the brethren here is in darkness even until now. So the next verse, verse 10 <clears throat> says that he says the opposite. He says, he that loveth his brother abides in the light. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. What does it mean to love your brother? You know, most of us, most of us take that to mean uh, I love you when I just don't do anything bad to you. I don't do anything bad to someone. So that means that I love them. That is not the command that Jesus gave. I mean, think about it. Jesus said, new commandment I give to you that you love one another. How? As I have loved you. What if Jesus loved you personally the way that you love the brethren? Would he, would he, let, I mean, would he have even shown up? Would he have even shown up to, to uh, bring forgiveness, bring to be crucified, to be resurrected? Would he have even been there? Would he have said, would he have said, you know what? I love them guys, 
But really, we don't get along good, so I'm just going to back off them. I'm just going to let them have their thing. I'm going to do my thing over here. What if Jesus said, I'm going to love you from afar? I mean, they're they're really good folks, but I'm going to love them from afar. Understand, you would not be saved today. You would not be a believer today. You'd be bound for hell today if Jesus said, I'm going to love them from afar. Understand, really, that's, that's, that's kind of dumb. You can't love people from afar. When you love someone, Jesus says you are giving your life for that person, for that someone. And maybe not, maybe not in the same context that he did. You're probably not going to be crucified, probably not going to have your head chopped off, probably not going to be actually murdered for your love for someone. But you are investing your life into someone, something you are serving someone, something. That's what it means to love. Jesus said you are to love the brethren the way that I have loved you. He said that right before he took a towel, wrapped it over his arm and washed their feet in John chapter 13. He says, the one who says that he loves his brother. The one who loves his brother, he says in verse 11, I think. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none. See, I'm getting away from this. Let me just read it from here. Yeah, verse 9. He that saith, we've seen that over and over again. The one who says, the one who says, the one who says I am this, the one who says I am that. And the evidence doesn't line up in their life. They're a liar. He says the truth is not in them. We've read those passages before. And now he's saying the one that says he is in the light, the one that says that he is a Christian, the one that says he is a believer, the one that says he knows Jesus the one that says he is in the light, if he hates his brother, he's in darkness even till now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. There is none occasion of stumbling in him. When we talk about loving the brethren, most of us have a really, really non-biblical view of love. To be honest, I can love ice cream. I do love ice cream, as a matter of fact. I can love pizza. I can love roller skating. I can love riding. I mean, there's lots of things that I can tell you and honestly tell you, honestly, I love doing this. I love doing that. I love going to the beach. I love, I don't really love it, but you might, you know, whatever. I love whatever. Is that the same way you love your husband or your wife? I mean, I don't know about you, but if my wife says, in the same sentence, well, I love Jason, but I love ice cream, too. Uh, I, I'm going to be a little offended. Surely you don't love me the same way you love ice cream. Surely you don't love me the same way that you love being outside or whatever. We, we love all kind of things. The reality of what he's talking about here is not just some kind of heart feeling or some kind of uh, just, uh, you know, I'm just going to I'm just going to. Make it a point that I'm not going to do anything bad to them people anymore today. Or I'm not going to do anything bad to my brother or my brethren or so-and-so. I'm not going to do anything bad. That's great, but that's not love. Jesus says, this is how the world will know that you are my disciples. Because you love the brethren. We're talking about, and we're going to see it over and over again. I told you these tests just keep coming back around in 1 John. 
This love that we have for the brethren, it's the love that we have for the bride of Christ. It's a love the same way that Jesus loved you. That's how he commands you to love one another. The same way that he loves you. He loved you by coming to you. He loved you by giving himself for you. He loved you for by laying down his life so that you could live. He loved you by sacrificing everything that he had so that you could be free, so that you could enjoy, so that you could be right with God. And he calls you to love in the same way that he loved you. He calls you to love the brethren. He calls you to love the body of believers. Tuesday morning in the the men's breakfast, we talked about We talked about uh, in Timothy where Paul is talking to Timothy and he says, uh, I'm writing these things. Timothy, the book of uh, first Timothy was written. uh, Paul is writing him, telling him how to how to operate in the church. He's telling them the qualifications for elders and and men of the church. He's telling them how widows should conduct themselves. He's telling he's telling them how the the older ladies should uh, minister to the younger ladies. And he, he just goes through all this about how Timothy's church is supposed to be working. And he says at the end of that letter. He says, I'm writing these things so you'll know how to operate yourself, how to operate in the church of God, the the house of God, which is the pillar and the ground of the truth. Understand what he's saying right there. And I wish I'd take you over there. I think it's first Timothy chapter five. He's saying that the local fellowship of believers, the house of God is the pillar and the ground of the truth. When we think about the church, we think about the worldwide invisible church, the brethren, the body, and it is that. All those who call upon the name of the Lord are brothers and sisters united together in Christ, whether they be in China, Africa, Mexico, Canada, wherever they're at. We're all the church of God, the body of Christ. But Paul was talking to Timothy and he said, I hope to come to you. Soon, he said, but until I get there, I'm writing to you so that you know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the pillar and the ground of the truth. He was talking about the local fellowship of believers. You can say all day long that I love the brethren. I love them over there in Arkansas or in Minnesota or wherever. You can say all day long that you love them. But the reality is the only way that that love is real in your life is if you give of yourself for them. That's what love means. We know love by this. We're going to see it in first John. How do we, what does that verse say? We know love by this because Jesus gave his life. I think Brother Eddie preached on it last week that said we we love him because he first loved us. And this is how we know love. That he gave his son for us. That he gave his son for us. So it says, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light. In him there's no occasion for stumbling. You don't have to worry about all the rest of that. You don't have to worry... Love covers a multitude of sins. Have you ever, you you can talk about, you can talk about all kinds of things with a person. You can say, let's put it this way. You know, I know Jason, this is what I hope people would say. It probably isn't what they say, but this is what I hope they would. You know, Jason, he's kind of, he's kind of not the friendliest person in the world. He's got a quick, smart mouth. He's uh, kind of offensive sometimes, but man, he sure, he sure loved my family. You know what I mean? That, that kind of covers all that other up, doesn't it? It's like all these things that are bad with me, all these things that are wrong with me, all the, but you know what? He, he really was there 
with me when I needed him. He loved me. He spent the night, you know, praying or whatever. I mean, I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying, do you see how if you love, there's no occasion for stumbling. Even, even when my mouth gets the best of me, if I, if I love the brethren, if I give myself for them, if I give myself for you, it, it's almost like it cancels, it cancels it out. He says, if you love the brethren, if you abide in the light, love the brethren, there's no occasion for stumbling. That's the fulfillment of the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Or Jesus said, love the brethren as I have loved you. That's the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Matthew 22. Jesus said, do this and that's it. All the law, all the prophets summed up in these two things. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as as yourself. And then verse 11, and this is where we're going to end. It says, but he that hateth his brother. Remember what we talked about, hate. Hate is not just, I'm going to go kill somebody with an axe. Hate is not just saying, I wish a tornado would come and blow them away. It's not just, it's not just doing bad to someone. It's not just saying, oh, I wish something bad would happen to them. Hate can be described in a lot of different ways. And it can be described as the word that's used for hate here is uh, used throughout as not just despising and detesting things, but also just being indifferent. You know what? Knock yourself out. Do your own thing. I, I, I don't have no care for that at all. The opposite of love. You can say, you know, if the, the garbage man pulls up to the front of your house, you know, you can say, I'm supposed to love the garbage man. But if you never talk to the garbage man, never talk, never get involved with him, never do anything. How can you really say that you love the garbage man? I'm not saying you should love your garbage man. I'm just saying, I mean, you really should love your garbage man, but you know what I mean? I'm saying the definition of, of hate is not just, I have a feeling in my heart that just wants to tear you apart, that just wants bad to happen to you. We can hate our brethren by, let, let me tell you what, let me just turn one thing. I, I'm, I'm struggling to explain it. So let me, let's turn to 1 John chapter 3, just flip the page, and let me explain to you what love looks like from a biblical standpoint. From 1 John, just flip the page, chapter 3. Verse 16, I think it is. Am I right? Yeah. It says, oh, we're going to see these tests pop up again. Look at verse 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. You know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. And he says, verse 16, this is how we know what love looks like. It says, hereby perceive we the love of God. This is how we know what God's love looks like. Because he laid down his life for us. And then it says, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Going on, verse 17, this is the last verse I'll read. He says, but whoso, anyone who hath this world's good, who is not, it means who has stuff, who has things, who has um, whatever. Whoever has this world good and sees his brother having need and he shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Understand what he's saying? Love's not just saying, oh, I love you. I got this wonderful little feeling in my heart. It's actually giving of yourself in some way, shape or form. This is how we know God's love. Why? Because he gave his son. 
He gave himself to die. And that's what we are to do to love the brethren. We are to give of ourselves. You're probably not going to be crucified for somebody else sitting in this room, but you invest your life in one another. That's what it means to love the brethren. It says the one who sees his brother in need and shuts up everything he has and doesn't give, doesn't offer. I'm not talking about money here. I'm talking about yourself. Keeps to myself, keeps to my stuff. I just got my own problems to worry about. It says, how can the love of God be in that person? That is, that is the polar opposite of what God's love looks like. So when he says, if we go back to chapter two and we're going to read last verse, verse 11, then we're going to quit. It says, it says, uh, but he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You cannot say this loving the brethren, loving the body of believers, loving the fellowship of the saints. This is not something that's uh, way up here on the high shelf for really mature, strong Christians. And I'll get there one day. This is Christianity 101. This is the basics. Love is a fruit of the spirit. This is not something, don't hear me saying, oh, you better start loving. You better go out there and love better. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what John is presenting here. He's presenting a test by which you may know that you have eternal life. He's saying not to go out and and do better at love. Do you need to love better and more? Absolutely you do. All of us do. We're not talking about loving better just so I can be right with God and everything be fine. We're talking about examining whether I have love as a fruit of the spirit in my heart at all. All It says the one who hates his brother, the one who hates the brethren, he's in darkness. Not only is he just dark, like, well, he's just got some flaws. It says he's walking in darkness. He's walking in darkness and he don't know where he's going because the darkness has completely blinded him. He's walking around in the dark, bumping into everything, thinking that he's going somewhere, thinking that he's doing something. And it says it's just in absolute darkness. Remember what it said for the one that loves the brethren? It says it's true in him and it's true in you because the darkness is passing away and the light is now shining. It says the one who does not love the brethren is walking in darkness. There is no light. He's walking around, bumping into everything, hitting his head on the wall. You just picture it. He absolutely cannot see anything because he's blind. He's blinded. The darkness has blinded his eyes. And I want you to remember about two lessons ago up in first John, it said, God is what? God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. And so what John's presenting here is the third of three tests that we're going to see repeated over and over and over again in the book of 1 John. This test is the test of love. Do you love the brethren? Do you love the body of believers, the fellowship of the saints? We're not talking about attendance. I'm glad you're here. We're not talking about attendance. We're not talking about uh, coming and... Having a feeling in your heart. Those are things are good. I have lots of feelings. I get just as emotional as anybody else. We're talking about loving one another as Jesus has loved you. That's his command. That's what he said. John chapter 13, 34, I think. A new command I give to you that you love one another as I have loved 
you. If Jesus loved me, if Jesus loved me the way I love the brethren, what would his love look like? Would he have ever sacrificed himself? Would he have ever even left the splendor of heaven? A lot of people find it hard to leave the splendor of the recliner to love somebody. But Jesus left the splendor of heaven and he gave himself. He gave everything that he had to give. He invested his life in someone else, in all of us, in the world. He invested his life. Not only, listen, I know I got to go, but he didn't just, he, he didn't just invest his life in someone else. He invested his life. He gave his life for those that hated him. For those that hated him and spit on him and called him names and beat him and whipped him. And I mean, you just think about all the things that Jesus endured. He gave, he came to his own and his own rejected him. He came to give life to the same people that hated his guts. What's our excuse? I would go and I would invest my life, but them people just mean. They, they don't treat me right. They don't talk to me right. If Jesus loved us the way that we love his people, what would he have done? He would have never left heaven. So the question that we have for you today is not, hey, guys, go on out there and love better. I mean, that's ridiculous. We all need to love better. The question is, do I love God's It's as simple as that. It's a hard thing to do to love his people. Sometimes they can be hard to love. And he knew that he did. He knew that more than us. I've never had my hair pulled out. I've never been beaten with uh, whips. I've never been nailed to a cross. I've never been shamed like he was shamed. It's hard to love sinners. But we saw in verse 10, I think it was. No, in verse 9, it says this, no, in verse 8, sorry. It says this new commandment of love, new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. This thing is true. Which thing is true? It's true in him. And if you are a believer, it's true in you because he dwells in you. He lives in you. The question is, is the fruit of the spirit love for God's people, God's God's chosen, his beloved, his church, his bride, however you want to phrase it, is it there? Don't look at your heart and say, well, I know it's down there somewhere. I just ain't been doing good and I ain't been whatever. Hey, that's wonderful. We all need to do better. Let me see the outside. What is it? What is it that you can show in your life? If if it was in a court of law, you had to present evidence that you love Christ's bride that you love the brethren that you love your brothers brothers what evidence would you present at your case to say look because our hearts are deceitful they'll deceive even us is there any evidence that you love the brothers the one who says that i love that i abide in the light and he doesn't love his brother he hates his brother he's in darkness that's the test the test 
is that God says when he changes your heart, he will put a love for him in you, cause you to keep his commands, and he will put a love for what he loves, his people in you. And so the question is, if Jesus loved you the same way you love your brethren, would you even be here today? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we come before you today just thanking you for your word. God, I ask that you would use this word that you've given us in 1 John.